From Capital Analytics, I'm Abby Malone, and this is Invest Insights. Every week, we bring you perspectives, business advice, and more from the leading executives, entrepreneurs, and investors who are building, diversifying, and leading the way in the country's fastest-growing metro markets. Real leaders, real insights, right now. Welcome to Invest Insights. I'm Abby Malone. I'm joined today by Amy Mansu, the president and CEO of Inspira Health. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure, Abby. Thank you so much for having me. We will get into our questions on this new economy that has been created due to the pandemic, new business norms, new strategies that started during the pandemic that are going to be carrying forward into the future. But before we go there, I wanted to start by asking you, what are some personal norms that you started in the pandemic, whether it be hobbies or interests, technologies that didn't use before, that you know will carry on in this post-pandemic world we find ourselves entering into? Well, probably the biggest thing is um, for us is for the use of Teams or Zoom, whichever you do, but just the whole concept that you can actually be together no matter where you are. And that certainly has been a new norm. One of the norms that has happened, which I don't know that I'm excited about, is the fact that literally we come in the office because we're still working, obviously, on, on site, given that we're hospitals. And then we all go into our offices and we have back-to-back schedules all day and we talk to the computers, which I think is something that I'm hoping that we will slowly be, in, be able to dissipate from as we begin to come together more and able to have enough people in a room together again. So, But right now, we're still we're still locked in our offices and I'm glad for that to be over at some point. Absolutely. And how about outside of the nine to five hours? Is there anything uh, personally that you've uh, started doing on the weekends that you think that will be carrying over into the post-pandemic world? Yeah, I don't know that it's anything different per se than I did before, but I certainly value my time with friends and family that gets to be in person more. I mean, obviously in healthcare, we all were very concerned about exposing other people. And, you know, obviously in lockdown, we were especially concerned because we were in and out of the hospitals the whole time while we knew they were safe. You know, it just was too frightening for people. So I think the the opportunity to break bread together and be together is definitely something I cherish more than I used to. You stepped into your role as president and CEO of Inspira Health in August of 2020. And that time could still be categorized as the height of the pandemic. Now, uh, a year later, how are you using the lessons learned during that time to strategize and plan for the long-term success of Inspira Health? So a couple of things that I think came out of that. First of all, as a brand new CEO um, in a different part of the state, you know, moved my house, moved my life, everything came down south. Reality was that we were sort of, we were thrown into the situation where the COVID numbers were exceeding what we had seen in the spring down south. I was prepared for it in some ways because I saw um, how it hit North Jersey and the Central Jersey. But as the numbers started to climb, I think that our ability to pivot and our ability, most importantly, to come together as a team really took away any of those sort of dressings that you would otherwise have because we were all in crisis. So we were all working 24-7. We were all stocking shelves on the unit, whatever. I got back on the phone as a social worker and did case management again because we were short of staff. We all had to do what we had to do. And I think it really, what airs might have been natural with a new CEO went right out the window because we all were in crisis. Uh, I would also say to you that we were able to update our strategic plan That was one of the goals when I first came in is just to make sure that we all, given COVID, that we all took a pause at where we are in our strategic plan and just said, okay, do these things still make sense? 
And to prove that you can do that during COVID and keep that business going and really be forward thinking, I think was really important. And probably the most important thing that came out of that um, was that our staff really spoke up about um, seeing themselves in the mission, vision, values. They wanted their role in the future of the organization. They wanted very clearly called out. And we actually came up with the acronym for our values, which is I create. And that came directly from the staff. No more than COVID did we see how critical staff were at every level to be part of the organization. And I really thought that was just tremendously um, powerful for our future and for where we're headed. And what does the acronym I create stand for? Well, it's exciting because obviously when they wanted to see themselves at the center, so the I there, but it stands for innovation, compassion, reliability, empathy, access, teamwork, and empowerment. The possibility of a nursing and physician shortage in the next five years seems to not be such an if, but now when. That said, how do you believe students can be better incentivized to view a career in healthcare as an attractive and viable career path? You know, this is probably a good time for us to talk about the support the state of New Jersey gave us because they actually worked with the board of nursing and with some with the other um, healthcare boards and allowed people to come in and do their senior year or the last semester really hands on on the floor. And so what we saw during the pandemic is people just like in a, a time of war, people signing up. And so we had these new grads come, this new energy come. And I think what happens, especially in times of crisis like COVID, is people get called and feel called to do it. So I think that what we really are going to have to continue to hone our focus on is really inspiring people to answer that call where they may have it, as well as really um, using the opportunity to rebuild people's skills. We certainly saw that, uh, that many people were out of work and uh, during this period of time. And we did bring people in who were in uh, service areas. They came in and did poor transporters for us or served in other roles for us. And so I think it gave people a perspective on healthcare that they may not have. And just really trying to speak to those people and find ways to do it. The other key in all of this, of course, is flexibility. You know, you asked your first question, and maybe I should have answered this differently. We also know that work from home is possible. <laughs> you know, and even in healthcare, we found ways to do it, including some of our physicians who, who went to telehealth, our behavioral health specialists. We certainly we saw a huge uptick in virtual health. And people now expect us to be able to do that, not just in times of crisis, but all along. And while many people think, well, that's just for the young, the geriatric population won't, won't, won't want to do it, or people who are sicker won't want to do it. The truth of the matter is everybody likes the convenience. So we're going to have to find ways to do that. And I think that, again, is part of how we make ourselves attractive is to show that level of flexibility. As the nation becomes more focused on equitable solutions and opportunities for our diverse population, in healthcare, the efforts to increase access to care have taken center stage. From your perspective, what do you believe are the most viable solutions to increasing access to cost-effective and equitable healthcare for all? And how is Inspira Health currently working on becoming a part of these solutions? Abby, we know um, in all of the work we do, especially here in South Jersey, that if you don't have transportation and if you don't have the basics in reference to housing and access to food, it doesn't matter how accessible we are. 
you need all of those components. So Inspira and the Inspira family have really stepped up and partnered with our community organizations, whether it be the food bank to ensure that um, our food pharmacies were available and supporting people during this period of time, or whether it is in our um, initiative in reference to housing. We've partnered with community groups around an organization called M25, which really is trying to create sustainable housing for homeless people. We've made significant contributions in, in both of those areas because we know all of the open doors don't matter if you can't get there. And really looking at how we make sure we are um, available and viable. The other thing we found, of course, in going back again to virtual health, is people don't necessarily have to come in and creating those opportunities for them to access care in all sorts of ways, not just from an office, but also from a phone, will also increase access. And we certainly have seen that for our behavioral health population. Uh, those are just a couple examples, but I think really what the biggest part and biggest lesson that, that Inspira has had through its history and continues to have is the partnership with our community providers. We know that the social determinants of health are really impacted by all of those environmental factors. And if we do not have, play a role in making sure we create that healthier community, it doesn't matter how much access they have because um, you need the supports of all of those things. And now that we find ourselves in this new landscape, this new economy that has been shaped by the COVID-19 pandemic, what's next for Inspira Health and the healthcare sector overall? Well, Abby, I think like most of the healthcare organizations, we're all about growth. And part of that growth plan for us really is about addressing the need of our physicians who are reaching retirement age. We were, during the middle of the pandemic, we were also able to set up a brand new residency program in Malika Hill and Elmer with emergency medicine, family medicine, and our internal medicine programs and our affiliation with Rowan. And it was so exciting because we know that those residents are joining the residents in our violent program that has been here a long time. And if we can make them fall in love with South Jersey as we have, we can actually um, allow them to and encourage them to establish practices here. We can do forgivable loans. And that's all part of a huge growth strategy to try and increase access and improve um, the quality of our care and really make sure that we're continuing to serve the most at risk, which certainly we know we have in Cumberland and Salem counties. You've been listening to Invest Insights. Be sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast to hear more. I'm Abby Maloney. Thank you for tuning in.